When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another episode of Courtside Fracker. I'm joined today by Greg. How's it going, Greg? It's all good. Playoff basketball is among us, so can't complain. Mm. Uh, looking forward to, to the games that's happening tonight. For sure. Uh, Reems, been a couple of weeks. How you doing, mate? Yeah, man, I've, 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 I'm, I'm good. You know, the playoffs the, the, the playoffs have been good, especially the Western Conference. Um, Eastern Conference has been a little less exciting, but... Yeah, a bit, a bit iggy, a bit iggy in the East. It's, 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 it's still exciting basketball, you know, and that's meaningful basketball, so I'm always going to tune in. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, before we start the pod, I just wanted to do the round, make a couple of reminders. If you're not already signed up to our Discord community for the courtside chat, sign up. We do live watch-alongs of the game. Uh, recently, Greg has been hosting Spaces on Twitter, which has been fantastic. Great basketball discussions before and after games. Uh, if you're somebody who prefers the visual stuff, sign up to the YouTube, the Touchline Fracker YouTube channel. We post our pods up on there. And for those of you who want to get additional content from us and also want to support the pod, we've got our patron, which is Courtside Fracker. Uh, but with all that business being taken care of, let's let's get into this. Um, before we start on the playoffs, I just wanted to discuss a few things from the last week or so with you guys. I'm going to start with, um, guess, a, a more somber note uh, in terms of fans' interactions with players. So in the in the last week or so, we've had incidents in Philadelphia, New York and Utah fans spitting, throwing, being disrespectful to players. Um, and the players in question being Russell Westbrook, uh, Trey Young and Ja Morant. And I wanted to start with you, Reeves, and, and, and get your thoughts on, on I guess, one of the, the bad sides of fans returning to the arenas. I think players... Um in these situations are are held to too high a standard. I think we should lower the standards a bit for players and give them the right to punch up these fans, you know? And I'm being dead serious as well because players have a responsibility. They go out there, they entertain the fans. The fans are paying all these hundreds of dollars to go and watch these players do their thing, you know what I mean? They shouldn't have to be subjected to any kind of racial abuse, any time, any kind of assault, anything disrespectful, you know what I mean? And, you know, like, players have to listen to the... You know, there's taunting, that's a part of fandom, that's a part of being rivalries, you know what I mean? Players have to listen to taunts. Their own players that they play against will say stuff to them, you know what I mean? But, like, there's a line that no one should cross. And and it's not about being a fan of basketball. I'm talking about in life. Like, you wouldn't spit on someone on the street. You wouldn't yeah. spit on yeah. someone on the street, you know what I mean? So... If a player, if you spit at someone and the player turn around and punched you in your mouth, they shouldn't have to get fined. They shouldn't have to miss any games. Nothing like that. That, sh- that should be a normal reaction to, for someone doing something that's unacceptable. You know what I mean? So I think the most the NBA could really do is ban these fans from ever coming back to the stadium. Like, there's not much like the NBA could do to stop human beings being stupid. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like... So the players, if if a fan does something disrespectful like that, the player should have the right to beat him up, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you said that before the pod started, and I, and I laughed. And to be honest with you, I I can't necessarily. While we know that's not going to happen, I I can't necessarily disagree with you. Honestly, there's nothing like a good old fashioned beating. Um, and <laughs> honestly, that is true. You, you see a couple of people get boxed in the face by a six foot five athlete in his physical prime, that will stop the spitting and that will stop the popcorn throwing and that will stop all the heckling. 
and everybody will settle themselves and behave quick, fast. And it's this year. The players are role models and they can't be seen to be doing that. But why should I be subject to, to that level of disrespect? And I think um, mm. we'll, we'll get onto some other comments made by um, Kyrie uh, ahead of um, his return to the uh, Garden with the Nets. Um, he said, you know, yeah, good to come back. Obviously, he didn't leave Boston in the best of circumstances. And he alluded to racial comments being made. Like, let's, okay, cool. I will know I'm going to come back. You guys are going to heckle me naturally. But let's not cross that line. We know he had previous earlier in the season about the N-word being used and him not wanting to be referred to uh, by that. It's been quite the season of enlightenment and awakening for brother Kyrie. Um, and, <laughs> off, and, off, and off the back of that, Danny Age made some comments about having never heard anything racial being said uh, in the garden. Um, Liar. Yeah, and then <laughs> Smart, off the back of that, made some comments of having had racial comments being made in the garden. Obviously, for him, it's the hearing your fans criticise other black players racially, but also supporting you as a black man. How, how does that work? And then finally, uh, Jalen Brown, who uh, throughout the last year and, and, and previous has really shown uh, leadership in, in regards to... Um, black issues and being uh, on, the, on the forefront of social justice issues in general. Um, and he took a unique approach, which I guess split opinions in the courtside chat. He was kind of like, you know, I respect Kyrie saying what he wanted to say, but I don't necessarily support using a playoff game as a platform to discuss these things when we have issues with institutional and systemic racism. Um, say, he was like, I'm not trying to say that's what Kyrie did, but I'm just personally not a fan. It was a four-minute four snip. Um, if you haven't seen it already, we'll, we'll post it on the uh, timeline today. So I'll get your thoughts first on, on that, Greg, um, in regards to everything we've discussed, and then I'll, I'll get your thoughts afterwards, Reams. Yeah, I, I didn't... Uh, I haven't seen, uh, or heard, rather, um, Jalen Brown's comments. You know, I've seen the, the news uh, headline, the tweet or whatever, but I haven't taken the time to actually listen to what he had to say. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, Boston Celtics fans, that area is uh, well known for, you know, going over the line, shall we say, when it comes to those type of comments and remarks. And then obviously you had the the outbreaks across, you know, the NBA and the playoffs with, with fans crossing the line, throwing popcorn on Westbrook and uh, spitting on Trey Young and stuff. And it's, it's just unacceptable. You know, it doesn't matter whether you haven't attended a game in a year or five years or whatever, you know, these are grown paying adults that are sitting in these arenas and you should be of an age and of a mindset where you conduct yourself you know, you do not have to be a fan of a player. You don't have to be a fan of a team. Obviously, this is sports. It's only natural that you're going to have uh, a distaste towards certain teams and, and players and whatnot. But, you know, you can you can express your distaste for a player and a team respectfully. And that doesn't include throwing popcorn on someone and, and spitting on them. It's some good old-fashioned heckling never did anybody too, too bad, eh? Exactly, you know, yeah. When you, once you cross that physical line, you're spitting in the COVID era. Come on, <laughs> Um Reams, I don't know if you had any additional thoughts to add on to, to the comments surrounding Kyrie, his return to the garden, all that stuff. I feel I feel like these I feel like these discussions are so strange, right? Because in a normal world, no one should have any issue with what Kyrie said. He said, Listen, coming back there to play basketball, if you want to boo me because I left, if you want to call me trash, if you want to say I sold out on the team, whatever. Just keep it basketball. Let's not let's not take it as the as I spoke on before past a certain line where it's becoming unacceptable. You know what I mean? Because no one's gonna cry about Boston fans hating Kyrie because he used to play for Boston and he underperformed and left. You know what I mean? So Kyrie saying, as long as we keep it basketball, you can say whatever you want about my game, about my decisions to leave. But as long as we don't bring it to a place that is unacceptable anywhere in the world not just in a basketball setting, then it's fine. And basketball fans, and, and Boston fans heard Kyrie say, don't be racist and lost their mind. <laughs> like, like, they should be like, okay, yeah, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. We won't be racist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what, what's yeah. Why is it up for discussion? Yeah, like, I don't really get it. And that just shows, like, where we are right now. Like, bro, like, these people actually find it so unacceptable not to just be decent people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's... It's, it's it's weird, man. It's weird, but like I, I, as I said, like I didn't really. I saw the 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 
the Jalen Brown stuff, but I didn't actually like take in what he said. I saw like a few quotes that journalists posted. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I, what I will say on that is if there's anyone I want speaking on these issues, it's someone like Jalen Brown. I'd rather have someone like Jalen because Jalen Brown is a very intelligent kid, very well educated, very articulate, and like well researched and actually knows what he's talking about and could actually articulate himself in a way that people could understand and it's heartfelt and it's poignant and everything like that. Like I'd rather him talking on it than someone like Stephen A. Smith or like a Kendrick Perkins or, or someone like that. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm proud of Jalen Brown for 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 for, for what he done. Like he, I, I have a lot of time for him. Yeah, thanks, guys. You, you both gave your perspectives uh, surprisingly eloquently. And I mean, I say surprisingly, I, I know you both pretty well. You're both eloquent and well-read guys. So no, not surprisingly eloquently at all, just eloquently. Um, and going on to some light, uh, lighter news, um, Jordan Clarkson uh, of the Utah Jazz uh, has been crowned the sixth man of the year. Um, him and teammate Joe Ingles were, were both in the top three. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll start with you, um, Greg, I don't know, two teammates on the same team, both been up for sixth man of the year. Does does that is he a deserved winner? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that was that was quite confusing to me. Uh, I mean, obviously we know the, the Utah bench is one of the best uh, benches in the league, you know, and, that, and that's reflected by having two guys in the, in the top three finalists for sixth man of the year. But um, obviously, by definition, there can only really be one sixth man on a team. So uh, that that was a little bit surprising. But I think well deserved for, for, from Jordan Clarkson's perspective. Um, you know, he had a couple of 35-point plus 40-point games this this year, uh, shot the three very well. Uh, and, yeah, it was just, it was just for me, the, the favourite for sixth man of the year. So, well-deserved on his front. Yeah. And, and your thoughts, Reams? Do you know what? Yeah, I was just thinking, like, oh, but that happened last year as well. With the clip of, um, That happened last year as well. Or was it the year before that with Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell? Yeah, it was last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As Greg just said, how could there be two six men on the team? It just like registered in my mind. (laughs) And that's a little (laughs) bit ridiculous. Yeah, no, no. So yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. What I would say is, I feel like I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm like like being a bit hipster here or anything like that, but I feel like Joe Ingle should have won it, to be honest. Like I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that shot at all. I feel like awards like this are kind of biased towards points per game. Which is fine, like as a six man, like you have to think about what 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 does a good six man do? Like if you're a six man and you can come off the bench and you're a microwave scorer and you could put up points in like five five minute spurts, then that that's a really helpful thing to have because like your starting five is gonna do the bulk of the work. So yeah, about what what does a good six man do? Um, but with Joe Ingles, he's one of the best three point shooters in the league. He's a great defender. He could handle the ball. He could run the pick and roll. Like he, he is. He does a bit of everything, and I think everything. he's just a winning player. Like you know what I mean. And like he's a play, he's, he's a player that's less likely to lose their minutes in the playoffs than Jordan Jordan Clarkson is. You know what I mean? So yeah, Jordan, you could series, Jordan Clarkson doing anything. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Played off, could get played off the court. And yeah. I think the point you make as well is why we saw Andre Iguodala not win one while he was at Golden State. You, you can't tell me those years where he was coming off the bench and they had that Hampton Five or the Def lineup or whatever they called it, that he <laughs> wasn't worthy of at least one sixth man of the year award. He was coming, it was coming in and playing lockdown defense. He was helping to keep um the, the, the bench players um ticking over. And he was just playing again, winning basketball. These are winning basketball players, and I think they need to evolve in terms of how they assess it. And why it's so funny to me as well is that. The guys who do the vote in the media, they always look at this and be like, yeah, it's a bit it's a bit basic that we just always give it to the guy who scores the most points. But every yeah. year you continue to give it to the guy who scores the most points. <laughs> You're the people with the power to change it. So change it. Yeah. So yeah, um, I agree. There needs to be a there needs to be a more a more wholesome approach to these awards sometimes. Uh, especially some of the, the the lower tier ones, like sixth man of the year and whatnot. Mm, not, yeah, them ones you're not really checking for yet. Um, on to <laughs> another award, and just reminding the listeners, these are regular season awards, so I don't want people to be in the chat trying to slander brothers for what they did in the regular season, not quite translating to the playoffs. Uh, Julius Randall of the New York Knickerbockers wins the Most Improved Player Award. Um, I'll stay with you, Reams. Um, what are your thoughts on, on, on his regular season? His regular season. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Let's be nice. Let's be nice. 
His regular season was spectacular. He's going to make an all NBA team. He took he led the New York Knicks from a from a lottery team to a top four seed, was they? Average yeah, 24, yeah. 10, 6. Amazing, amazing regular season. He was the best player on a very good playoff team. Fully deserved. Like I don't feel like anyone else could dispute could dispute that. Like fully deserved. With that being said. This is now your truth. Now you're speaking your truth. <laughs> <laughs> With that being said, I said a few times during the regular season as I was watching Julius Randle hit step back freeze over everyone's head that something a bit suspicious was going on here. Something, and, and, and my accusation was Julius Randle became too quick out of nowhere. And it's not like Julius Randle's like in his third season, he's a sophomore, where a natural improvement is expected. He's like, what? When did he get drafted? 2014? He's in his seventh, seventh or eighth year, I think, this year. So, and, and Julius Randle, for, I'd say for like the last three seasons, had played at like a certain level. Like seventh year. Seven, 17 points per game, maybe eight boards. You know what I mean? Like, so like he maxed out at like a certain level where you're thinking, okay, he's a decent player on a bad to all right team. You know what I mean? And then this year he catapulted from that to being a number one option on a good playoff team. So I was just thinking he got too good too quickly out of nowhere. Like, and I was thinking to myself, there's something just a bit fishy about this. It might, it might be a bit fugazi, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it might be a bit fugazi. But I was like, let me just wait until he gets into the playoffs when the fans come back in, teams mm. start teaming for him on defence. Let's see if this is really real or not. And lo and behold, well, you guys have watched the games. <laughs> oh, it's it's, yeah, it's, not he's, pretty. it's not he's pretty. struggled in the playoffs so far. I think that's you know, you know, you know, you know. That's fair. That's fair, Greg. That's he's, 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 he's even been triple teamed, and a lot of people, a lot of people before the series started, was talking about the Hawks' defense. The Hawks don't have no defense. Who's going to stop Julius Randle? Who's going to stop blah 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 blah? All the Hawks have done. I said, listen, Julius Randle, when you get the ball in the mid post or when you get the ball and you try to do your little jab step, your little you know, your little step back. We're just going to triple team you and we're going to see if you can find one of your teammates or we're going to see if you're going to jack up bad shots and brick. And and the New York Knicks, as basically they said, RJ Barrett, we don't care about you. Reggie Bullock, you know, you're a threat from deep, but we'll live with that. You know what I mean? Julius Randle, what you got? And yeah, he, he hasn't shown much. Yeah, D-Rose D- carrying them, but that's a conversation for the midweek pod with Knicks fan Obi. Um, I just wanted to finish up um, with, I guess, my back to the sombre note um, and, and a blow for one of the teams looking to come out of the East in the Milwaukee Bucks. Dante DiVincenzo going to miss the rest of the playoffs with an ankle ligament uh, issue. He came off injured in game three, which the Bucks ended up winning. Um, Greg, what impact do you see that potentially having on, on the Bucks' um, playoff hopes? Obviously, they, they've avenged um, their defeat last, last year to the Heat. And we'll get on to that. But um, the loss of Dante DiVincenzo, how big of a blow do you potentially see that being for the Bucks? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite annoying. You know, obviously, DiVincenzo is their starting two guard. Uh, good defender. Obviously, Drew is their best uh, guard defender. But DiVincenzo, a solid defender. Uh, can shoot the three. Has had a good season this year. Um, you know, his loss is not really felt in this uh, Miami series, which is concluded because the Bucks were going to get past Miami uh, you know, quite handily, and they did that in game four, swept them. But looking towards the next series, which we expect to be against the, the Brooklyn Nets, um, you know, going up against those three of Kyrie, KD, and Harden, you're down one of your, you're, you're down a defender now, and then you look to the bench and say, well, who who can step in and, and, and defend either Harden or or, um, or Kyrie? And you're looking at, at Forbes, uh, and <laughs> he's, he's certainly not the defender that DiVincenzo was. That's quite a drop-off uh, from a defensive standpoint. So I think it's really going to hurt them in that series. We'll have to see what type of adjustments uh, uh, the Bucks make, but that's definitely a loss from the from the defensive standpoint. Agreed. Um, what about you, Reem? Um, Dante DiVincenzo is one of those kind of like 
scrappy kids that kind of goes underneath the radar, doesn't get much praise. But when when you lose him, you do miss those intangibles. I'm doing the air quotes here. Intangibles that he brings. Um, Greg makes a great point. Heat were getting beat regardless with or without him. But where you have less room for error against the Nets, we could really see them um, feel his loss even more there. Listen, what I'll say is I, I don't really know what Don Tatum Nintendo is good at. I don't think I've ever even seen him score a bucket. But um what I will say is um he's 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 a he's a um hustle plays type of player, right? And those type of guys are important no matter what. No matter what. Like as Greg said, he he'll he'll play defense. He's very athletic, so he's getting rebounds, you know. He's fighting for loose balls, everything like that. And and the main thing about this that hurts my um the Bucks is <clears throat> you don't have to be a great player to be important in the playoffs, right? Sometimes just being a a a player that's not a liability will help you win a championship. You know what I mean? So when when rotations get tighter, if you lose an important rotation player in the playoffs, that will really hurt you. In, in, in tight margin games. So, for example, Dante Givintendo will play maybe like 28, 29 minutes a game, right? And a Pat Connaughton will play maybe like 16. Now Pat Connaughton needs to play 22, 23, 24, 25. Yeah. Those extra minutes, he could be a negative. Where minus, a, minus 10. He could be a oh, minus 10. He would have just been a, a neutral. He, he, you know, he would have played some defense. He would have hit some shots. He would have got some rebounds. So now those seven minutes that would have been in your advantage, you're losing those seven minutes now. You know what I mean? So even losing one, like even like, I'll give an example, even like the Rockets last year with Daniel House. Like on the surface, losing Daniel House doesn't seem like much of a big deal. But like Daniel House is a guy, he was one of their most consistent three-point threats on a team that needed three-point shooting to um help their two stars. And he played defense, you know what I mean? So when, Dan, when, when Daniel House went down, they had to play Ben Macklemore a little bit more. If Ben, if Ben is not hitting shots, he's nothing but a negative on the court. You know what I mean? So losing a rotation piece like that, especially in a game where like the margin for error is so small against the Nets, it, it, it could really hurt. And, and people might not see that on the surface. And man might say, oh, they didn't have DiVincenzo. It'd be like, oh, DiVincenzo, like, what difference is he going to make? But it does really make a difference in these tight playoff series. So it's a, it's a big loss for the Bucks. Agreed, agreed. And... Um... Just to show we're in playoff mode, we couldn't help talking about the playoff series as we were doing our, our roundtable discussion. So I think I've kept you both waiting long enough. Uh, let's let's get into it. We're not going to talk about every single series because there's so many. And um, so we've picked um, s- some of the, the ones that have caught our eye. Um, let's start with the Mavs versus the Clippers. Currently uh, 2-1 to the Mavs. Uh, so Friday was a legacy game for Kawhi. And in that, he, he came through him and Paul George to the tune of... No, no it wasn't. It was. Okay. Uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a 60 uh, 65... I think they, <laughs> say, they say it was a legacy game for Kawhi. But anyway, um, to the tune of 665 points. Um, I'll start with you, Greg. Let's let's talk about the series up until Friday's game um, and what you expect to, to, to happen um, going forward. I mean, yeah, obviously, let's start with the obvious. Luca's been spectacular. Uh, he's just been carving up the, the Clippers defense inside and out. Um, I think this is, you know, the, the regular season often gets labeled as fool's gold. And it, this is the series that, that really shows you why, because we know the Clippers all year round, you know, hit the three high scoring teams, shoot their ball efficient, efficiently, so on and so forth. But when it comes to playoff time, you don't get those same looks that you did in a regular season. You have to play the same team four times. And if you have, uh, a part of your team that can be exploited, i.e. Zubax in the pick and roll uh, or Beverly in the pick and roll, then that team is going to exploit that, you know, every single time down the floor. And Luca and Rick Carlisle have made that clear that, you know, you better take Zubax out the game because <laughs> if you leave him in, Luca's going, going for 50 or 60 at the, uh, with the rate that he's scoring. Um, you know, the Mavs have just shot the lights out from three. I believe they're shooting 50% from three, 50 for 100. Uh, I can't remember if that's at the end of game three or end of game two, but either way, I think it's the end of game three. End of game three, yeah. So they've they've been shooting the lights out. Um, you know, obviously they they fell to the Clippers in game three. Kawhi and PG, <laughs> I feel have played well in this series, but obviously I've gone under the radar uh, with everything that Luca is doing. Um, Kawhi, 
uh, and PG aren't getting to the line enough for me, aren't getting to the free throw line enough. Kawhi seems to be settling for the outside jump shot, the, the post turnaround fadeaway. Uh, you know, he does score some 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 baskets under the paint, under the basket sometimes. PG looking to drive a lot more than Kawhi is. But still, in game three, I think the, the combined, they both shot 12 free throws, which yeah. isn't enough. That was Luckily, an issue during the regular season as well. But obviously, because they were making their shots at such a historic clip, um, it was it wasn't an issue, but we yeah. know that that those those buckets at the at the free throw line are gimme. Kawhi's like a 90 percent, 89, 90 percent free throw shooter. Exactly. Um, Paul George at 85, 86 percent, something around of maybe even 90 percent this season as well. So um in game three, they were yeah, they were they were bested at the free throw line. I think when I when I checked, I didn't watch the full game, but Dallas were in the 20s, 25, 26, 27. Lucas shooting horribly from the line. Um mm. Horribly, horribly, very odd. Um, because we talk about shooting like 50%. It's weird. It's it's very, very weird for somebody who's such a great, difficult shot maker that um the easiest shot in the game essentially he continues to struggle. Um, but yeah, continue. Well, I, I don't think I don't think the Clippers I mean the Clippers won game three because they because they shot the lights out and especially led by by PG and uh and Kawhi. But and and it's, it's the game that they've played all season long shooting well. But I don't think you can afford to just rely on shooting well to get yourself back into this series, obviously being down 2-0 and now 2-1. I would like to see them establish more of a presence closer to the basket and work from the inside out rather than just relying on the outside. Because, uh, you know, you look at it, you say, well, the Mavs have shot 50% from three. Their shooting, you could argue, is unsustainable. But do you really want to do you really want to put money on that? Do you really want to test it when you're down 2-1? I, I wouldn't take my chances. So. I would hope the Clippers establish more of a presence inside and then work their way out rather than just relying on being hot from three. Uh, and then defensively, you know, Zubac's just, he needs to play five minutes a game. Uh, Ibaka, um, I think he's out for the rest of the series. Um, he had some a nagging injury, which is a shame because I felt he provided their best rim protection. And so you're looking at, you know, the Clippers are getting abused on the perimeter from the pick and roll, and then they don't really have anyone standing tall under the basket to provide any rim protection and shot changing. Um, you know, the Clippers are going to have to dig deep in this one. I think I think they win another game. Um, I think they need to win game four. They don't want to go down 3-1. We know, we know it's tough to come back from 3-1 despite how many times it's happened in the last five or six years. Um, but yeah, I, I, would, I would look for the Clippers to win game four. Mm. Uh, Reem, so we've got Luca averaging 38 points, nine rebounds, nine assists. Um, he's backed up by Tim Hardaway, he's averaging 20, 20 points a game. And Jalen Brunson was going off in game three as well. Um, do you think they, listen, I don't think they should be ahead. And, and despite the Clippers' failings, they're still a better team than the Mavs. Do you, do you think the Mavs can pull it off and actually win the series? If the Mavs are going to do it, they need some production from a very particular player. <laughs> I wonder who you're going to mention. Three inches tall from Latvia, getting $30 million a year, averaging three boards at center, standing seven foot tall. Listen. Luka Doncic is going to give you, what do you say, 38? He's going to give you that, 38, 9 and 9, bro. He's going to give you that every game. The Clippers have no answer for him. They cannot stop him. We've established that. They couldn't stop him last year. They can't stop him this year. Tim Hardaway Jr. is um, a streaky scorer. So next game, Tim Hardaway Jr., he might shoot 17 threes and make nine of them. Like, he's that type of player, you know what I mean? He's cool. right now, he's, he's shooting... Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., he's shooting 65% from three. Yeah, I think it was 75% before the game. Yeah, <laughs> before the last game. He, he kind of he kind of went cold in the last game. If he if, yeah. if, if, if he if he was a little bit hotter, they probably would have won that game as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, the Clippers on um, the, the the Mavs always always have like a solid base because Luca's gonna give you 30 odd points and about nine dimes. So mm. them dimes are gonna be like good dimes as well, wide open freeze, layups, you know what I mean? Yeah. All Paul Zingis needs to give them is 20 and nine. Twenty and nine. He's seven foot three. He's playing center. He's, he might be. He might be matched up against. They're gonna play Zubac off the court. Ibaka's injured. Who's he gonna be matched up against in the post? 
He's not even. He can't even. He can't even get the ball in the post. They don't. The, the, the thing is, the Mavs don't look to him on offense, and he's barbecue chicken defensively. Like, like, when, the, when, when the Clippers were getting to the rim and when they were getting to the bucket, it was because people were getting switched onto Porzingis, and mm. he had no. George was getting the ball, seeing Porzingis in the paint, and seeing barbecue chicken. That's all he was seeing. <laughs> That's all he was seeing. Him and him. And, I'm sure him and Kawhi went like forty for like. 55 from the field or something. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Their, their, their efficiency numbers were, were, were ridiculous on Friday. Um, so we'll Listen, see how that maintains. The Mavs, um, have, the Mavs have something for the Clippers. I'm telling you that they do. They have a guy that the Clippers can't stop. Kawhi has been great in the series. I feel like that's going on the radar because of how Luke has been. Like They can't stop Kawhi even, but Paul George is a little bit more iffy. Then after that, their guys that were shooting 40% in the regular season, they can't make a bucket. But two ain't making no buckets. Luke Kennard can't even see the court. Um, um, Morris Senior, he was good last game. He hit some big shots last game. But before that, he was shooting like 27%. Pat Beverly, he's, he's been played off this. <laughs> but remember when Russell Westbrook said Pat Beverly... He's tricking y'all. He's tricking y'all, man. <laughs> he's, he played five minutes last game and they won. You know what I mean? Rondo, I feel like Rondo played all right last game as well. You know what I mean? Like, he he, he, he controlled them on the offense and the defense. Like, Rondo, Rondo's impact is never going to really be seen in the box score like that at this point in his career. You know what I mean? But mm. he's, a, he's an impact player, but he could easily stink it up in the next game as well. Like, these guys are guys you can't... I can't say you can rely on on a game-to-game basis other than Kawhi Leonard. You know what I mean? Well, Luca is, Luca is listed as questionable for game four. I don't, know, playing, I don't know how much of a question that is. I think, I think barring a yeah, barring breaking his leg, he's gonna step out there and he's play. play but them guy, them guy there for Eastern Europe, but them man ain't, them man ain't going out. Them man got that dog in them. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah, people have thought these Eastern European man have, have were soft for years and years, and they've never ever been soft. Like you know what I mean? Never, hmm. boy. Goran Dragic played last year with a broken, broken. Goran Dragic wheeled himself onto the court on a wheelchair <laughs> to play in the NBA Finals. Like, I'm telling you that. Guy had a knee brace. Guy had a knee brace on. I only seen that knee brace on Triple H. That is. Listen, so if Porzingis just needs to play, like, he doesn't even need to play like a max contract player. He just needs to play like a guy that's getting like 17 million a year. Give them 18 and 8. That'll do. That'll do. Like, so it's really dependent on if. Is on if. One of the other max contract players on the Mavericks is willing to step up and play like the player mm. was that earned and earned him that contract in the first place. And the Mavs got something for the Clippers. I feel like they, I feel like yeah. Can the Clippers can the Clippers step up and play some pick and roll defense, please, and not just switch every single time down the floor. I'm not a Clippers fan, by the way, but I'm speaking from the perspective of here's the thing: if they had Serge healthy, they could do that. You know what I mean? Serge being hurt. Is bad, you know what I mean? Because they can't, they have no one that's going to guard Luca 1v1. But the, the communication just isn't there. Like they're setting the screen and then they're and, just and, giving and, Luca the mismatch and, that he wants. And, and everybody, everybody in the world knows that he wants the, the mismatch and, and they're still giving it to him. I feel like what you're saying is true. And now we got to start pointing the finger at Ty Lu. Because other than last game where he made some good adjustments, he's not really looked like a coach in this series. Like, like Rick Carlisle came out and said, oh, Rondo was calling out our play, so we were just winging it, basically. <laughs> but, <laughs> they they, they didn't beat by a team that was running no plays. So, <laughs> so, there was a play that like Rondo was calling out. This was this a play Rondo was cut. Lucas going to dribble. Number 77. He's going to take off the dribble and go to the rim. Next way, number 77. He's going to hit a step back three. <laughs> Some of the blame needs to go to Tyloo, yes, but this is a it is a different roster from last year. But I'd say you know seventy percent of it, seventy five percent of it is 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 un, unchanged. And what Luca is doing isn't rocket science. It doesn't require you to go back to to watch film to figure out okay how is he doing this and what players are they running. No, he's putting players in the pick and roll. You're allowing him to switch on to players that he's bigger and stronger than, i.e., Beverly. Uh, quicker than it, it, like Morris, or you know, um, it, or quicker than it, in the form of Zubax. So he's it, it's he's difficult. I think Kuzi and Kawhi need to need to take the onus defensively, uh, from a physical standpoint, from a verbal standpoint, and say, look, we are going to shut down this guy, 
uh, or attempt to shut down this guy and communicate and, and not switch on the pick and roll. Or if they are going to switch, let it only be between PG and Kawhi because those are your best two primitive defenders. Yeah, they, you, they should be point. taking it in turns to guard Luca and not allowing anybody to, to step oh, on him because you know, if you give him an inch of space or a foot of space, he's he's making shots. Yeah, because Luca at this Luca at this moment, he's contributing to damn near sixty points a game. <laughs> yeah, and credit and credit to Luca for for that because he's playing spectacular right now. Yeah, um, conversations about um, him being the best twenty-two year old anybody's anybody's ever seen. Uh, just a quick one. I don't want us to spend too much time on it. Uh, are we getting a bit carried away there? Um, in, in regards yeah. to that, is, is there merit in it? There's there's players in the league who were better at 22. <laughs> there's, at least, there's at least at least two. There's players in the playoffs currently who was better at 22. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know how it is. The negatives of the sports media. Right now, I'm with you. I'm with you. But I saw I saw LeBron James at 22. I saw. I saw Kevin Durant at 22. You know what I mean? I'm I'm flipping. I saw Dwight Howard at 22. <laughs> Dwight Howard was amazing at 22 as well. Like you know what I mean? Like mm. people forget that. Like I'm we're losing. We're losing recipes, boys. We're losing recipes, man. <laughs> cool. Um, I want to get on to uh, another series. Uh, business taking care of. I was thinking, you know, they'd be nice to make it a gentleman sweep. But what did Yanis uh, say? We ain't playing with our food. Yeah. Um, <laughs> off the back of that, uh, last year's last year's revenge for uh, Milwaukee Bucks, they swept the Miami Heat for zip. Um, coming in, I think people had acknowledged that um, the Bucks had made some changes in the way they defended. They were switching a lot more, uh, and they weren't just kind of giving giving teams a space in the mid range that they they'd done last season, which had hurt them the last two two playoffs. They'd obviously upgraded. Bledsoe to uh, Drew Holiday. Um, but I don't know if people necessarily expected the Heat to be swept the way they were swept so convincingly. Um, Greg, are we looking at a new Milwaukee? Was it just that the Heat were getting a bit overrated? Or or, or, or are Milwaukee actually looking like um, a decent shot at the Nets and a decent shot to come out of the East? Well, yeah, I think, I mean, very quickly, I think the Nets still win that series against the Bucks. Um, I do think it's a series that goes six, maybe seven, uh, but I would favour the Nets. Um, but this is definitely a new Milwaukee team. You know, Drew Holiday, the difference between him and Eric Bledsoe it, it is night and day. You know, Holiday is one of my favourite point guards in the in the league to watch. You know, he's not in the upper echelon of point guards, you know, Curry, Dame, Luca, et cetera, et cetera. But fundamentally speaking, there's, there's nothing on the court that he can't do. He can defend, he can, uh, he can post up, he can shoot the three. He's good in the paint, good for mid-range, like makes good decisions, passing, uh, you name it. And this is definitely a, a, a new and improved or a newer and improved Milwaukee Bucks team. Uh, and then from the side of the Miami Heat, they just couldn't score. They were struggling to score in this game. Even in game one, which was, you know, the, the closest and most interesting game of the series, um, you know, Jimmy Butler didn't shoot well, Bam didn't shoot well. And, you know, you need to give credit to the Milwaukee Bucks and their, their interior defense with Yanis and, and also with Lopez as well, because they have not made it easy for, for Butler and, and particularly Bam. You know, you see Bam have his hesitant to take that mid-range jump shot, not getting looks in the paint uh, over Lopez. Uh, and and then Butler as well, we know he doesn't shoot threes uh, all that much, but unable to really get the mid-range jump shot going. Uh, Forbes even outscored him in this series, which, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. Um, and yeah, just credit to the Bucks all around. You know, Yanis really hasn't had to... Uh, exert himself and, and you know, six percent from three. Say again, um, he's shooting six percent from three. Who's um, that, Yanis? Yeah, offensively, it's I, been. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think Yanis has been that good in this series. No, he, he hasn't had to yeah, be. He hasn't been amazing. He hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't, hasn't had to be. He hasn't, yeah, he hasn't had to be. And, and, and that's, credit, that's credit to Yanis as well. Because he has generally, I've, I've genuinely been terrible. Like, like, the two best players have been terrible. Like, Bam, Bam is. He's gonna play defense, and he's played good defense on Giannis this series. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. I feel like he's a good. Like he, he's a he's a generational defender, but offensively they couldn't get anything going. Like they put they put PJ Tucker on Jimmy Butler, he couldn't get anything going on PJ Tucker. Like you know what I mean? So the Heat and and there there have been these red flags with the Heat's offense all season. Tyler Hero isn't scoring 
20 points a game from the bench anymore. The only guy that's really stayed consistent off- offensively from them is, is Duncan Robinson. Yeah. Uh, bro, like... He's, not, he's, not, he's, he's obviously makes your offence um, flow well because obviously he helps with spacing. But maybe he'll win you one playoff game. Maybe... You can't even say that he'll necessarily go for like 30, 35 and win you a playoff game. So they mm. they, they they look to Bam. And again, we were talking about it with the Clippers. You're always as good as your, your best two players. They set the foundation and then everybody else builds on top of that. And and yeah, Tyler Hero, you, you've you been talking about it all year, to be honest, Greg. Um, Bubble Merchant. No, no, I'm not going to go that far. But, you know, the, the the hype that he got out of coming off, the, coming off of that bubble run was just ridiculous. You know, people talking about him like he's, like he's shooting 47% from three. This is a guy that shoot, sh- shot a league average 36% from three this season, 14, 15 points a game. He, he's not irreplaceable, especially when there's rumours of trading him for Harden or Robiel or just, you know, one of these premier players in the league. You know what? Yeah, yeah. The, the Tyler Hero guys after the bubble is crazy. Like, not training Tyler Hero for James Harden is ridiculous. But I feel like people are going, like, I get it. When you, when you get to a certain stage where guys are putting you on such a such a level where they wouldn't they think you're more valuable than James Harden. I get people's gonna laugh at you and you play badly, but I he's just having a sophomore slump. Like he's still gonna be a yeah. in this league. Like, yeah. At worst he's gonna be a guy that's giving you 17 points per game off the bench for the rest of yeah. his career. At best he could be a guy that's gonna be like the third option on a really good championship team scoring 20 a game or something like that. Like yeah, a couple couple he's start somewhere in between yeah. that and like, the, what the the ninth the thirteenth pick in the draft. Yeah. Fantastic. Like, I guess Maybe from the Heat's perspective, it's you're looking at the ages. Obviously, James is 31 and Tyler Harrow's 21, so it's a, a decade. And you know, they talk about Heat culture uh, <laughs> and whatnot, and, and there's always been question marks about um, um, James's uh, approach. But um, yeah, that's looking like an all time bad decision. Um, to be honest with you, because we know that even if with James, you you have a, a five year window and you're able to snatch one championship in those five years. That's it. He, he's justified it, and and and, and you, you can you can rest on that for uh, for another decade. Um, so, like we said, Yanis hasn't had the best the best series. Chris Middleton's been Chris Middleton, 50, 40, 90, going to give you twenty to twenty five points. Drew Holiday, you're going to get that elite uh, um, perimeter defense, but he's also going to get you buckets. He's just just a steady hand. He just know he just again a winning player. Um, have we? Do you know who's impressed me a lot? Brooke Lopez. I know that there'll be times against the Nets that they'll play him off the court, but his uh, his effort on the defensive end against the Miami Heat was really impressive. Have we seen anything in the box that makes us revise our opinion of them? I know, Greg, you said you think the, the Nets will win. Reams, have you seen anything in the box that makes you perhaps revise your opinion of them and think, actually, you know what? They could they could do they could do the Nets in. Um well couple things um they don't have a great point of attack defender and the bucks have a couple guys that could create off the dribble on the perimeter now with um chris middleton and drew holiday and they have their best point of attack defender is probably kevin durant and so you could you could you could think there's a couple games chris middleton could maybe Give give Durant some buckets. He's a good defender, but I wouldn't say he's a great defender. And like obviously he's had his Achilles injury, so he's lost a, a bit of a step. The second thing is they don't have any presence in the post at all. Like Tristan Thompson is eating. Tristan Thompson is like a six foot nine past his prime center, and he's giving them good double doubles. You know what I mean? Mm. So. If you don't have anything for if, 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 if you don't have anything with Tristan Thompson, what are you gonna have for Janice? And even and even and even Brooke Lopez, and even Brooke Lopez right now, like what did Brooke Lopez have last night? Like 25 and like even Brooke Lopez is showing a little something like Brooke Lopez ain't a, a great post player, he's more like a stretch five now these days, but like they have nothing in the put like it, DeAndre Jordan's not getting any minutes. If you're playing break, if you're gonna play Blake Griffin at the five against Janice, you're in trouble. You're in big, big trouble. And Nick Claxton, they told us Nick Claxton was the second coming of flipping, I don't know, David <laughs> Robinson or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> they told us Nick Claxton to switch one through five. They told, us, they told us some stuff about Nicholas Claxton. You know what I mean? And I'm just starting to think now, maybe that always pretty privileged because that guy, 
is looking at. <laughs> so if I'm Janice, if I'm Brooke Lopez, I'm looking at these guys. Even if I'm Bobby flipping Portis, I'm looking at these guys and I'm saying, in the in the paint, these guys are food. And that's going to be a consistent stream of buckets. It's going to be a runway to the layup line. Yeah, I think I think the Bucks, there's no doubt the Bucks are the better all-around team, offense and defense, but also the Nets. I mean, even even in the game, which we were going to get to a little, a little bit later with the Celtics, like Harden had 41, KD had 39. Like, it, what, what, what is your chances of trying to outscore them is hoping that Giannis averages 45 in that series? Yeah. Which is it? Which is it impossible? But also, if that's your hope, then yeah, yeah you 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 it's, it's a lot. You're, you're asking for a lot. Like the, the Celtics won that game because Kyrie shot thirty five percent from the field. Like yeah. Kyrie was the guy that went 50, 40, 90. That's not happening twice in a row. Yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, 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 that's not happening four times out of seven, man. Mm. Agreed, agreed. Um, so so let's uh, go to the Western Conference. Uh, Lakers versus the Suns. The Lakers are, are two one up. Um, let's 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 get this out of the way because everybody can't stop talking about it. Chris Paul's carrying this shoulder injury is, is obviously hampering the Suns with how how good he's been for them this season. Um, Greg, um, I know you're not you're Chris Paul fan, so so you'll you'll probably see it as you know whatever. But then Reams, I come across and I see that LeBron James isn't in is he's not 100 percent either, and I'm seeing him playing himself back into fitness as the series is going on. Uh, again, Jay Crowder, barbecue chicken. Listen, you have <laughs> Drummond mimicking, mimicking LeBron's moves on the <laughs> with a fadeaway. Um, um, what are your thoughts on on this series? Let's say it was uh, first. Let's get the Chris Paul conversation out of the way. Let's say it was a healthy Chris Paul. How much trouble did it actually? Um, provide the Lakers, and then secondly, let's talk about some of the Suns players who are actually playing and are actually producing. You know what? Yeah. Um. Oh, sorry, is that for me or Greg? That's for you. Sorry. Okay. Um. Uh, do you know what? Yeah. Before the series started, I was thinking, you know, the Suns kind of ended the season poorly. Their team is inexperienced. Um. The Lakers probably get them out of there in six. Um. Because obviously, you know, the Lakers, their players are injured as well, coming back. They haven't played much in the last few years. And then after game one, I saw how they matched up. And, like, I was thinking, you know what? The Suns team actually is pretty good. Like, you know, like, DeAndre Ayton's played... Like, I didn't expect DeAndre Ayton to play well at all. And he's played really well. So, like, from DeAndre Ayton's playing really well, um, Bridges was hitting shots, Booker was cooking, and Chris Paul was doing what Chris Paul does, facilitating everything. I was thinking, you know what? This, this could go to seven. Now, as soon as Chris Paul hurt his shoulder, and he basically can't even shoot anymore, like he, he can't. He basically, like I'm like, you know what? This this one might end in five because the the more the the the, the more the games the Lakers play, the more AD is getting back into rhythm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so the time the time for the the Suns to win this would have been like when Chris Paul was healthy. Like maybe get into get into an early two two games. Yeah, take the first two games yeah. and then yeah. win two of the, then win two of the last five. Yeah, you know what I mean, but they've let the Lakers get into a lead now, so LeBron's got himself a little comfort there, and 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 LeBron in the season, he's, he doesn't even feel like he's like dominating. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's just, he's just I, don't think, I don't think he's eclipsed twenty five yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like 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 you we literally watched. He's averaging twenty a game in this series. Like, yeah. 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 Like, no, he's facilitating. He's letting AD because you know AD get comfortable. He's letting AD get comfortable, get back into his rhythm because AD was really struggling. You know, yeah. what I mean? so now that AD is starting to find his rhythm again, he's starting to dominate again. When they play, who they playing in the second round? Um, Nuggets or the or Blazers? The Blazers. When they get into that season now, then LeBron, then you see LeBron start dominating again. You know, yeah, I, mean? I feel a gentleman sweep coming in that series. Whoever they get. Yeah, you expect Jokic's ability to to win one game with a ridiculous thirty five, twelve, and nine, yeah, or, or game to go off. But that but that, 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 that Blazers series looks like it's going to seven as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that on the, on the, on the, on the midweek pod because yeah. we know that one's going to have a few more games to go. Um, that that's that's a great point you mentioned, Reece Chris Paul, and yeah, if but it's a game. Um, I want to talk about Anthony Davis, but a Disney to some. Um. Because he's such a peculiar player. Because we look at his, um, and that's not in regards to how he plays, it's his application. So we look at his skill set, and for me, you're talking about 
skill set wise, five top five, six, seven player in the league. Um, but his application never quite matches, and he was able to sort of silence the doubters last year with with the playoff run. Um, but this season, he's obviously been injured, and he's come back and he's been middling. He's slowly getting back to his jumper isn't quite there at the moment, um, but he's putting up his points. Um, why does it always feel like when people are like AD? We're watching you now. You have to show us what you're about. He decides to show us what he's about. Why is he not a player who's able to consistently come out every night and dominate? He's somebody who's too good for him to go whole quarters and you don't even really notice he's out there. And I think they were comparing him to Tim Duncan after one championship. That's why. (laughs) You're comparing him to all-time greats after he's scratched the surface of what they've achieved. And now you're wondering why he's not continuing to dominate. He doesn't. He doesn't have to. You've already you've already placed him in the in the in the in the, in the pantheon of greats. Um, yeah. But in all seriousness, I mean, yeah, it, it is quite puzzling. You know, you look at AD. He had an injury riddled season this year. Uh, game three, I didn't I didn't watch game three. I only saw the highlights, but I saw him uh, clutching his calf after falling to the ground quite a lot. So I'm not not quite sure as to what percentage of health he's playing at. If he's 100, percent is he 80? percent Is he is he more? Is he less? Um, Game one, he struggled. Game two, went off for 34. Game three, uh, played solid. He had uh, 34 again in game three. I mean, Reams talked about LeBron is is, is in 2014, Lacoste mode. I don't think he's, he's past 25 points yet in this series. Um, but yeah, I mean, AD, he needs to recognise his mismatches, I think, a lot more and a lot sooner. You know, we know he's 6'11", one of the most skilled players in the league, uh, but doesn't really like to get Get his hands dirty. He wants to dominate from the outside. He's he's a, he's a shooting guard masquerading as a four, <laughs> almost. And he, he's a five masquerading as a four, masquerading as a shooting guard. And yeah. it's like every time they, they get in these situations where they're like, oh, what are they going to do in this series, this matchup? It's like the great equalizer, just put AD at the five. You put AD at the five and it doesn't matter yeah. who you play. And they always have to do this thing where accommodate him, get Drummond in, get Gasol in, use them until they're unusable. And then AD, just, just go to the fire. Just catch the buckets. Just you could have done it buckets. in game one. And you wouldn't be in this situation right now. Yeah, I, I see they can yeah, he obviously he he's somebody who had a growth spurt in his in his teen years. Um, so he started as a guard, and he, he so he has guard like skills. He's got that shooting shooting depth mm-hmm. as well. Um, do we look past? So obviously we see AD slowly getting back into it. LeBron's coasting. Are we looking past the Lakers coming out of the West? Is 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 there anything that makes you doubt them coming out of the West? Ream? Do you got no, Caruso? No, Caruso? no, nothing. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know. Um, I think do does their supporting cast concern you? Yeah. Um the Lakers but, supporting cast. Yeah. No, because they're so good defensively. You know, offensively, we know they can struggle to score sometimes, but you know, I I think I said this on the last pod. Like Le- LeBron controls the tempo and the flow of the game, whether he's scoring 47 or 27 or 17, so well that he can the, the Lakers can afford to play, to be in second place and wait until the final lap or, you know, the last couple of minutes where LeBron is going to exit that slipstream from the lead car and just overtake. Um, you know, he, he's mastered that over the course of his of his long career. And, you know, who is who is going to give them problems? With Chris Paul out, I'm looking at the Lakers to win this series in, in six. Uh, I, I give Phoenix another game. Um, I think Booker needs to improve, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's five. The next round, you've got uh, Nuggets or Blazers, the Nuggets don't have Jamal Murray. They're hampered. Uh, the rest of their team, uh, MPJ, is young and inexper- inexperienced, um, you know, still developing. If the Blazers win that series, you know, defensively, they stink. So, Historically, <laughs> one of the worst you know, ever. Even though the Lakers' offense isn't, isn't great, isn't amazing during the regular season, you know, you've got LeBron and AD, two top five, six, seven players in the league. You know, I'm, I'm not going to bet against them. Western Conference Final is where it starts to get interesting whether you have the Mavs, the Clippers or the Jazz there. Again, I I, I favour the Lakers. Anytime you have the two best players on the court, I find it hard to to pick against you in a series. So I think they have somewhat of a clear path to the finals and it's going to be interesting to see just how they execute to get there. Yeah, I I think um, he's, what, 36 now. Um, There still isn't another player that I would take over LeBron when it's time to win. There, there, there can be like if you were to write who are the best players in the league, you could have a couple of players above him. 
But when it's time to win, there, there still isn't a player that I think I'd take over LeBron. And I think it'll be interesting for them because I think he could. this might be the last year I say that, but I can still see him being a number two on a title team until he's 40. Um, but then you're looking at AD. Are you going to be the guy to be the number one option on a title team? No, no. Talent-wise, talent yes. But in terms of establishing himself, no. He doesn't. He doesn't take it upon himself to be like, yeah, you know, let me let me go out there and, and average thirty-five and fifteen. See, see, I'm in my guys right AD, yeah. I see guys like AD. Yeah. I feel like there's been many examples of guys like him in history that have been transcendent um defensive players and mm. very good offensive players, but their offense isn't what I'd say good enough to be a number one option. Maybe AD is a little like um, like Kevin uh, Kevin Garnett. I knew you were going to say Kevin Garnett. Yeah. yeah. Kevin Garnett for me is the best defensive player ever, and he was a great offensive player as well. But like for me, he was the reason why that Boston team was so good is because he was like he was he wasn't the, like when he's at Minnesota he had to be the main scorer. Yeah, that really wasn't him, man. You know what I mean? But with but with um, but at Boston he could just focus on defending, playmaking, getting his buckets where he needs to get his buckets because he knew he had Paul Pierce there is a guy that. All, he, all Paul Pierce had to do was score the ball. And like that, and like, so like eight kid, um, Kevin Garnett's a great example of that. I'd say David Robinson's another example of that. For David Robinson's prime, he was always a number one option on his team as a scorer, and he was an amazing defender and a good, and like, but like he, his, his scoring skill set was maybe more suited for, as a second option. Yeah. Um, And even like a guy like, there's many, there's so much, like even a guy like, you could even say Dwight Howard during his prime. He may, if he was the second option scorer instead of the first on those Orlando teams, they probably would have won a championship. You know what I mean? Like, and that doesn't mean he's the second best player on the team. He's just because if you're if you're the second scoring option and the best defender, then for me, you're the best player on the team. You know what I mean? Like, more likely you're going to be the best player in the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, feel like- um, I, I hear what Reams is saying. I don't, I don't, I don't agree entirely, but I don't disagree entirely. I think. Mm. With AD, it's more mental than it is the physical. He has he's averaged 28, 28 plus a couple of times in his career, so he he can be a, a scoring number one option. You know, is he better suited to a number two role? Okay, arguably yes, but if that number one is LeBron or KD, then <laughs> you know, ninety nine percent of players in, in in the world. Um, I, I think with AD, it's more about wanting it rather than him just t- playing second fiddle and taking a step back. He ain't got that dog in him, man. He ain't got I that. Know what that's what, that's what, I feel like that saying has become a bit of a meme now, but it's actually true. He don't got that dog in him. He's only 27 years old. Which is there's scary. no reason why he shouldn't. Health-permitting, health health there's no it's reason young. why he shouldn't be out of there putting up 32 and 30 kind of thing. But if you're a top five, ten player in your prime, he's a pensioner. Like, bro, like, yeah, it's time, it's time for him to get carried now. It's time for LeBron to get carried. Yeah, it's time for him to enjoy, you know. Yeah. But um, um, let's let's go on to the final series. Um, we've spoken about them quite a bit, but let's let's focus in on them now. Uh, Nets versus the Celtics. Uh 2-1 Nets lead. Uh Celtics taking game three off the back of a 50-point explosion from a certain um, uh, Jason Tatum, that's Jason. My boy. That's a Jason with a Y. Thank you very much. My um, boy. That is your boy. That is your boy, Greg. So, um, with, with, with that in mind, I'll let you start. You, you, you take away, you take it away. Yeah, I think, I mean, a, a, a good scoring act from Tatum was overdue. I didn't expect a 50 piece. Um, game one, I think he scored in the low 20s, started off hot, but but struggled the rest of the game. Overall, had a very solid game, I felt was good defensively, good passing wise. Game two, only finished with nine points. Uh, this is Tatum now, finished with nine points, uh, left the game due to injury. Uh, and then game three, obviously, as you mentioned, had the 50-piece, was able to lead Boston to a win. Uh, I wouldn't read too much into it. <laughs> I think we all know the Nets are still going to win this series. Uh, Tatum with the 50, Tristan Thompson looked like prime Dennis Rodman on the boards <laughs> offensively, nine offensive rebounds. Marcus Smart added a 20-plus and shot the ball extremely well. So, you know, when all three of those catalysts come together and you you win by, I think it was less than 10 in the end, and a- able to to hold <laughs> off, you know, KD 39 and Harden 41, that's not going to happen too many times. So 
I wouldn't read too much into it, Celtics fans, but it's good to see Tatum just have that uh, have that on night. Go um, out on your shield, man. Go out then? on your shield. Go out on your shield, man. Yeah, exactly. Go on, go out on your like, it, man. I'm just letting this thing go. I know we're gonna lose, but you are not sweeping us. You ain't sweeping us, mate. I listen. Yeah. Jason Tatum taking a game off of this net super team with a 50 piece on Kevin Durant's head has certified him in the streets. You know when Michael Jordan dropped that little 69 he dropped on Larry Bird? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah, still yeah. talking about it years later. That was that was Jason Tatum's version of that. You know what I mean? Because Michael Jordan didn't even get a game. <laughs> he got, he got, yeah, got sweat. <laughs> got sweat. You know what I mean? So, bro, Jason Tatum went out there on Kevin Durant on Kevin Durant's head top, I said, I'm giving you 50. <laughs> his second his second 50-point game post-regular season. So he's had he's had one in the regular season, one in the play-in, and one in the one in the playoffs now. Listen, and you know what, yeah, the 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 the, the Celtics as a team in that game, they played other than Kemba Walker, they played really oh, well. Kemba Walker is man. This man is best. This man is best to throw <laughs> to throw the game. If Kemba Walker could play all right. They could take another game in the series because if Jalen Brown didn't get injured, okay, okay, so okay, if Cameron Walker playing all right, they could take another game, and then there's further conversation about if Jalen Brown didn't get injured. But forget that for a minute. Does this make you question the Nets a bit? No. Um, do, you think that, do you think? Do you think that 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 offense is just yeah? The reason they, the had, reason two, they, they had two players go for forty, and Kyrie didn't shoot all that well. He's a 50-40-90 guy this season. He's playing in Boston, your your old team. The crowd was against you. Okay, I wouldn't put money on it happening again. The, 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 reason, the reason why I don't question the Nets is because their margin for error is so wide, they're comfortable. Like a team like the, like the, like the Celtics that game, listen to, let me explain to you what had to go right for, for them to win exactly. that game. Exactly. Basically, they had to score 50 points. They had to get 19 and 12 from Tristan Thompson. Evan Fournier gave them 17. I think Marcus Smart gave them 21. Mm. And Harden and Durant went for 40. And Kyrie Irving had to shoot 30, a 50% shoot had to shoot 35% from the field. That's what they had, that's what had to go right for them mm. to win the game. So how many times are things gonna go that right in a well, seven? They only won by six yeah, points. Is it gonna go down by six. four times out of seven? It's not, is it? Like okay, maybe maybe not with the Celtics, but obviously as they progress through the playoffs and the opposition improve, do you because I feel like They've almost been, for the most part, crowned and coronated champions already. Um, and I know what you mentioned there, Reams, is exactly right. But do you not see a perhaps a Lakers with their elite defense giving them more trouble? Joel Embiid and the uh, and the seventy sixers feasting feasting on them due to their defensive frailties. What I'm basically trying to say is maybe we're we're rushing to crown them as 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 champs. Well, I think it's it's, it's interesting. I mean. You, we keep saying, I keep saying this over and over again. You have three guys that can get you seventy-five points without ex- overextending themselves. So then you start to look at other guys on the teams. We, we we've had the Joe Harris game in game two where he just he was looking like game six clay. Uh, you you look from a defensive standpoint. The Sixers regular season wise have not been a, a great scoring team. Uh, they've been a, a good one, but they they can't keep pace with with a team like the. Um, like like the Nets, the mm. Bucks is the Bucks are the team that presents the best chance from a from a holistic standpoint, offense and defense. So they have great uh, defensive players, and then offensively, but they led the league of scoring 120 a game. So you look at them and say, well, they're probably the team that could. If you pick a team in the East that could cause an upset, I would pick the Bucks. Bucks. Um, it's going to be interesting to see that game one and game two in that series to see what what adjustments are made from the Nets' perspective. Mm. Um, all well, the the first and second of their regular season games were close. The first one being in Brooklyn, the second one being in Milwaukee. Yeah, uh, but the second and third one they didn't have Harden. So I think from from a uh, a chess standpoint, the Bucks were looked at. Sorry, the Nets were looked to outscore their mistakes or, or outscore their 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 defense. Yeah, uh, defensive effort. And then from the Bucks perspective, you look at it and say, well, they have the best all around chance of of, of upsetting the Nets. It'll be it'll be interesting, and if they beat the Bucks in five, then yeah, for, forget about it. I'll start crowning <laughs> them champions as well. Um, so yeah, I think that'll be a gentleman sweep that that series. Not not so much to say Kevin Durant looking like Kevin Kevin Durant um, as as you would expect. Um, James Harden 
being James Harden. Um, and like you said, you're going to get the role players just because of the gravity that those three bring. You're going to get role players, role players, including the likes of Blake Griffin, Joe Harris, being able to to explode for 20, 25 points on a, on a random, on a random night. Um, so yeah, I guess for now, the, the, the Nets are still the same team we see coming out of the East and the Lakers are the team that we see coming out of the West. I'm touching wood that nobody gets injured anymore i, I really yeah. do hate i really do hate when injury injuries always dictate how playoffs go but once a playoff start and a player especially who's been playing really well goes down with injury it just leaves a, it just leaves a bitter taste um but with that being said i want to thank you both for your time this afternoon um yeah listen there's nothing like the playoffs man like the regular season you can coast through um and, and we're gonna be back to doing two pods a week because there's so much we haven't touched on trey young Jama Rant, uh, who else am I missing? Westbrook going out on his shield. I mean, Randall, MB, <laughs> Randall, and um, the UR Jazz are looking, they're looking good as well. So, um, we'll be having a midweek pod which will come out on, on Wednesday night. So, yeah, for those of you who are listening to this, look out for that. Reams, always a pleasure to have you on, bro. Your Thank card's you coming, uh, Greg, always a pleasure, bro. Yeah, I, can't, I can't do this land, but make sure you've got the tea. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming again. Give me a week. Give me a week. Give me a week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, nice one. Take care. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network